constantly move forward. There's a continuing and urgent need for higher education. It's necessary for tomorrow's future and for a dynamically changing workforce. As the need for education is changing, so is education itself. Welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with your host, Dave Goldberg. In this program, we'll discuss the complex changes that are being made to higher education today and we'll help you stay ahead of tomorrow if you're a student, educator, or in the workforce. Now, here's Dave Goldberg. Good day and welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. I'm Dave Goldberg. I'm your show host and Big Beacon is a movement to transform higher education at bigbeacon.org. In every episode, we explore some of the innovators and innovations that are changing the world of higher education all around us, and you can follow live tweeting of the show by Emma Schoenfellner at hashtag Big Beacon Radio. And today, we're joined from around the world, from Doha, Qatar. We're joined by three people from Texas A&M at Qatar. In the first segment, we'll talk to a faculty member and director of the Academic Success Center at TAMU-Q, Misty Rudd. Welcome to the show, Misty. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you, and you're doing some uh, pretty interesting things halfway around the world and and, uh, wanted our um, guests to find out about them. But before we jump into that stuff, uh, Misty, you've You've taught a variety of things in your career. You've taught math and chemistry, and, and now you specialize in, in uh, English and composition. And you're in a faraway place doing awesome things in the Academic Success Center, but we like to kind of go back to early influences for our guests. And what were some of the early influences in your life that uh, helped you on your, your current career path? Um, well, my mother was a teacher, and I always said I was going to be everything except a teacher. So I resisted it for a long time. But I did, about at the age of 14, start teaching swimming lessons at the local municipal swimming pool. And I learned really quickly um, that if you're afraid, it's hard to learn when you're afraid. And some people just seem to have a natural terror of the water. And so I found that my job was much more to be a facilitator um, and to help people feel relaxed and comfortable so that then they could absorb and learn. So I think of that training now as more useful than ever because, you know, maybe people aren't afraid of drowning, but they're afraid of um, flunking out or they're afraid of getting a high enough GPA to keep their scholarship or their sponsorship. Um, so I think that that has had a big influence on teaching where I am today. Yeah, beautiful story, and thanks for sharing it. And and as you know, as a as a reader of a whole new engineer, that uh, Mark Somerville and I talk about modern education in terms of unleashing experiences. And so I'm curious, um, you know, experience in in which either you were trusted or you trusted yourself, and you had the courage to do something that was really hard to do, and you overcame. Um, fear you had and you went and did it and something good happened in your life. So what unleashing experiences have you had or, or who were the unleashing influences that gave you the courage to, to move ahead? Um, well, I was a big follower of the unschooling movement by John Holt, you know, mm-hmm. yes. and, and I really admired that um, because I thought that there was something wrong in the picture that... Uh, we we want to learn how to read and write, and you know we want a marker, a pencil, or a banana in our hand if that's all there is to write with. 
And then we get to school, and what happens by about second grade? Um, what happens to our curiosity? Why do we dread going to school? That there's something wrong with this picture, because I think humans, I believe all humans want to learn new things. Yeah. Everybody does. And so what does schooling do to that kind of innate desire and curiosity? And so even though I'm working within, um, you know, a very traditional uh, university, uh, I'm trying to kind of change it from within, and I've been... I've had some experience with alternative schools and the unschooling movement. And so these unleashing student potential or unleashing my own potential, I think that that's a natural thing. And I think the unnatural thing is that it was capped, you know. Sure. So, so here's a little example. When I was in um, fifth grade, they had IGE math. And I don't even know if I knew what it stood for, individual guided education. And so you could go as fast as you wanted to. And so I just ripped through that curriculum. I loved it. I loved it. You couldn't give me enough. And the sixth grade, the same thing. And so we were up, one student, one other student and I were up to about eighth grade math. And we got to high school, which was started at seventh grade. And they didn't know what to do with us. So they put us in a back room for two years and had us play Monopoly until everybody caught up with us. And so I'm like, why do we all have to learn at the same rate, the same thing at the same time? It didn't make sense to me as a student. And it didn't make sense to me as a teacher. Yeah, so it's interesting that you were unleashed, and then actually that's actually one of the risks of, of unleashing students is that they'll, in, in subsequently in school, they'll, they'll meet the, the educational blob, as, as we right. called it at Illinois, or they, they'll leave school and they'll go to an organization that expects them to shut up and sit down and do, um, right. do what they're told. Were there any particular influences where people... Sometimes we find that sometimes, uh, well, that kind of the there's a sense in which the uh, trusting you to do the self-paced math was a kind of trust. There have been times in your life where you were given a, a challenge and someone knew you could do it, and but you weren't sure yourself. Where, where uh, then you blossomed and something cool happened for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if I have a specific one, but, you know, yeah. there have been a couple of people in my life, um, professors, who I would say kind of mentored me, mm. who said, you know, if you if you don't go for your PhD, the world will be a worse place. <laughs> you know? And, and, and I, you know, I've kept that little note that this professor of education gave to me years ago, um, as, as it took me 15 more years after that to get my PhD, you know? So... So, yeah, there have been people who believed in me more than I did at the time, and I really appreciate that. I think everyone needs one person to believe in them, just one, at least yeah. one. You know? Well, and it's interesting. You know, some of the stories that we hear, we hear stories of, of it happening from another person, um, and, and sometimes uh, you know, people whose names we, we know, and then sometimes we hear about it happening from within where somehow the person trusted themselves to do something really hard for some, for some reason. Yeah, so anyways, I was blessed to, to visit uh, you and, and uh, the campus there in, in Doha, Qatar. And, and um, I guess uh, our, our listeners are probably curious about the campus. You know, what's, it, what's its history? How did, how did Texas A&M happen to put, you know, put up a campus in, in, uh, in, in the middle of Doha? And, and um, you know, what's the campus about and what's, what's uh, your story about being there? Yeah, well, they well, as to make a long story short, uh, they were invited. Texas A&M was invited along with about five other American universities, and they were invited to offer a particular kind of major. 
So they were invited by um, Sheikha Moza, who's the former Amir's wife, who strongly believed in this vision of education, especially for the females. It's kind of a tradition that um, the, the males in the family could go to the U.K. or to the U.S. for their college and then come back. Uh, but very few of the girls were allowed to do that. So by having, bringing these, like, um, Texas A&M School of Engineering, bringing the engineering school, bringing the Wheel Cornell College of Medicine, uh, bringing the Georgetown School of Diplomacy, bringing that here just opened up a world of opportunities, especially for the female students. So our, our enrollment actually is 50% female, which is pretty amazing for an engineering school. I think Olin has that same uh, ratio, but otherwise it's it's a little bit unheard of, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, no, that's and that's actually an interest. It is an interesting fact about um, about Tamu Q. Is it may be one, it may be the second um, school in the world to have uh, full gender balance. I, I I'm not I'm I'm not stating that as a fact. There may be some others that are close, but but Olin is yeah. Olin is is always right around fifty percent, forty some percent, and and uh, Tamu Q is. Is 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 that way? Yeah, and and uh, and actually, it was interesting. Um, you know, when I when I came to campus, I expected to see uh, a separation of of gender, given you know, given the religious background and the conservative nature. But that's not the case at TAMUQ. No, it is co-ed education. Absolutely. Yeah, and and uh, and 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 my understanding is that that actually was a that there were. Uh, some early efforts uh, about that, but it's actually that that was an intentional decision to um, to to have that to to have the co-ed education take place. Right, and at first, for our first year students, sometimes that's very difficult because imagine if you've had K through twelve um, in an all boys or an all girls school. Yeah. Um, so being in mixed gender. I think I don't. Maybe can I go on a limb and say it seems like it's harder for the female students and the male students um, to, for example, get up in front of the class and give a presentation. Mm. You know, um, because of the cultural ideas that you know, kind of of that females are quieter or more demure or things like that. You know, that those are values and attributes either projected or imposed upon them. Um, so, so there yep. is that first semester, especially the, so the students will kind of gender segregate themselves where they sit in class very much so, but it changes even, even by the end of their freshman year and their sophomore year. And by the time they're juniors and seniors, it seems to me they're pretty comfortable working in groups with mixed gender, mixed nationality. It's an extremely diverse campus. And I think that that is one of the great strengths of TAMU-Q. Well, and, the, and that's an interesting thing too—the nationality piece. So there, you know, so you have the Cuttery uh, people attending from in country, and then you have other other people attending the school from from elsewhere in the Middle East. What's that? Right. What's that? We have about fifty percent of our students are Cuttery, and fifty percent are not. Yeah. And that may change in the future. You know, as we try to get more and more Cuttery students, but that's about what it is right now. Yeah, and so then the total, just to give a sense of scale, uh, roughly how many uh, how many students in in the program? In the, uh, about five hundred fifty. Five hundred, and then roughly how many faculty uh, uh, working about with 80? those? Students? Eighty, yeah. So pretty good, yeah. pretty good sized outposts and um, uh, halfway around the world, and and 
So interestingly, you know, so this is, you know, in some ways you would say, oh, so this is the, maybe if uh, coming at this with Western eyes, you would say, well, this is not a place that you would think is ripe for the kind of educational transformation that the whole new engineer talks about, but it actually, you've been involved in some pretty interesting efforts to try to bring those ideas to campus. What, uh, what <laughs> kinds of things that, what kinds of things have you been doing? Yeah, so so I was just looking at the numbers today, Dave, and it doesn't take very many to make kind of a significant percentage, you know. Yes. So maybe I'm jumping ahead a question or so, but no I think there's about 60 students out of 550, so that's greater than 10%, who are really interested in this movement, you know. So that's that's not nothing. That's something to build on. Um, I would say there's less faculty buy-in than, than student buy-in, so maybe out of 80, Mm, between four and eight, you know. Um, But we're working on it. So some of the things we've been doing is we've been, um, well, creating this one book, one community, where we ask, if we ask people to come and pick up a copy of the book and we invite them to come to these read-ins and we create activities, um, and we sometimes we solicit, excuse me, solicit ahead of time, uh, from especially from the engineering faculty, the joys of engineering, right? Yep. What's the joy of engineering? And we'll post these on digital signage throughout the building. Um, we bring dry erase boards so people can write. Uh, and mostly we serve karak, which is kind of a tea, a sweet tea, and cookies, and we get people to come and mingle. So we have um, really good representation of students and staff and we'd like to see a little more representation of faculty, but still it's this space where conversations are happening and students really love that they can have the ear of a faculty member, a staff member, and, and talk about something they, they think is an important issue and a need for change at this institution. Yeah, so and just to make sure our listeners uh, understand, so you you use the whole whole new engineer as a as a way to start a conversation and you, you got a you bought a number of copies and gave them out to to people who wanted them and then started having um, discussion sessions around around the book. Uh, now were, was that Absolutely. in connection with these 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 teas or was that a, were the was that a separate session? Yes, that was in connection with these teas, right? So we did this yeah. every Wednesday for about the first six weeks or so of the spring semester. Uh, I, anyway, I love two hours, I, you know, two hours I, every yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, I love this idea, and not not because it's not just because it's a whole new engineer, but I think the you know so much of trying to make change is about getting is a, is essentially cultural change, and usually in universities we dive right in and start doing content curriculum and pedagogy change, but sort of starting kind of with respectfully, but with people saying, "Hey, these are some ideas. What do you think? Let's let's read about these together." Seems to me to respect be culturally respective and uh, respectful and get people to think about things before you're sort of diving in and ripping the curriculum up and doing um, making major surgery. What's been your experience yeah. with the uh, the T's and 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 the and the people who have come to them? Well, first of all, I really think it's important to have, you know, tea and cook crackers or something. There's something about the food and the social thing that it's worth every penny we spent on karak and biscuits, right? So I think that that is important. And I think it's important to involve staff. I think that that is really, sometimes staff gets overlooked. We think about faculty and students, but we forget about staff. And a lot of our staff, they're researchers. And so sometimes we would say, hey, we're gonna, when we said we're going to Olin or we're going to iFoundry, 
wow, we had no idea there were so many of the people in the building who'd been to Urbana, right? Yes. Um, and so they wanted to come and talk about it. And we said, what advice do you have for us? We're going to go visit there, you know. And so then they would come and talk to us, and they were reminiscing about their their golden college days. Yes. Uh, but it was it, it was it. They got to the place that allowed us to have other conversations, not just about where to eat or where to buy books or T-shirts, Absolutely. you know. No, and this is part of just being human. And, and actually, we in iFoundry, we had an acronym. It was uh, PBP, powered by pizza. So it wasn't tea and cookies, but uh, we, we found <laughs> like that the that. money invested yeah. in pizza was money well spent. And so I, I, know, I think I know what you're talking about there. Well, you know, so we're, we've got just a second or two left in this uh, segment, but I think in the next segment we want to continue this conversation, and then we want to circle in a couple of the students who have been involved in this movement as well. How's that sound? Great, great. Okay, so in the so we'll come back and and uh, we're we're going to bring a couple of students who have been involved in this uh, transformation movement at uh, TAMUQ. Uh, after the break, this is Big Beacon Radio with our special guests from Texas A and M at Qatar. And in the next segment, we want to bring the students into the conversation and, and get their views on the matter. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. Tune in to The Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. 
And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. We urge you to get a copy of the book that is transforming higher education. Uh, three three thousand one hundred new copies are in the warehouse, so um, get them while they're hot. A whole oh, new man. engineer, the coming en- revolution in engineering education at whole new engineer. Uh, dot org and uh, before the break we were speaking with Misty Rudd uh, from the Texas A&M uh, campus at uh, Doha, Qatar and in this segment uh, Misty is going to be joined by by two uh, students um, we have uh, Taif and, and uh, uh, Taif Mohammed and we have um, uh, Rashid al Uh welcome to the show Taif and Rashid Hello. We're glad to be here. Yeah, well, we're yeah, we're glad to have glad to have you both. And um, uh, Tafe, let's start with you. Um, uh, where where are you from originally? And tell us a little bit about your journey to the uh, to becoming a student at uh, Tamu Q and and your journey as a student there. Sure. So um, I'm originally from Egypt. Uh, but I was born and raised in Qatar, so I consider it my home, practically. Mm-hmm. Um, as any uh, regular student, I've applied um, locally and internationally to several universities uh, for engineering. But uh, the reason I like Tamaki and the reason why um, it was pra- like it was my first choice uh, was that I felt like it made me travel like a thousand miles without ever moving from my spot. So it gave me everything that um, any of the high um, or like the great American universities can give me without me having to leave home or to leave my family. So it was great being accepted. Um, uh, When I got here, I loved the community and the personal experience. It's really tight here. We're all, uh, all the students are friendly and also the faculty and staff. Um, it provides us with a lot of opportunities and we're just trying to keep up with the challenges. Um, like one of the major things that have happened since I've been here is that I was a little bit shaky about the major that I was choosing, but, um, after my freshman year, I decided on electrical engineering and I'm pretty happy with my, uh, with my choice. Great and thanks for, and thanks for sharing that. I love your uh, um, thousand miles uh, metaphor about uh, coming to Tamuku, seeming like being at a distance, but some of the niceties of home. And and how about how about you, Rashid? Uh, um, you're you're a native uh, of of Qatar, and and uh, you know, tell us a little bit about how you came to uh, Tamuku. So uh, for me, it was kind of surprising because. I didn't want to go to an American school for for the reason that I have been taught in British in British system. Sure. Um, but then, but then when I thought about it and studied a bit about a bit about about, about Tamil Q, found that it is the most challenging university in uh, locally. And then, uh, it came to my head that I deserve better education I, and I'm willing to go for for the challenge. So that's why I chose TAMQ. And I didn't change my major since I came here. I was a bit of settled about getting a chemical engineering since it's, uh, it makes sense. The country needs more, um, more engineers related to the petrochemical industry. 
Yeah, and um, we're having a little bit of uh, technical difficulty with your line, and and uh, we're we're going to take a, a a bit of a quick break and see if we can't th- get that fixed so that we can uh, s- uh, give our uh, listeners a little better listening experience. So let's let's just stay. We're going to take a momentary break and see if we can't get the get the line fixed. America Business Network. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of Three Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. Yeah, and so welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. We took a little break to see if we could get the uh, the sound quality a little better. I think we've got it fixed, and and so uh, actually, and uh, so we've got um, uh, we have uh, Tafe and Rashid uh, uh, students at uh, TAMUQ talking to us about their experience and helping bring about change. And uh, and this reminds me, I was uh, I was on Facebook this weekend and a. Uh, a friend from college, Alan Blomquist, uh, a producer out in Hollywood now, but uh, reminded me that back in the 70s he had a job uh, carrying homework back and forth from University of Michigan students who were were doing video uh, courses off campus. So we no longer, the good news is we don't need to go by airplane to carry the answers across the, the ocean, but we uh, sometimes we do have trouble with the technology not doing exactly what we want it to do. So Rashid, uh, just to... Um, uh, come back. So you were you were telling us a little bit about your um, um, that you had uh, uh, had done your schooling at a British school, and and we're thinking that that's what you would uh, do. But you ended up um, you ended up uh, staying in country and and uh, coming to uh, coming to an Amer- coming to an American school, a Texas A and M. And so, how's that exp- and how's that experience been for you? So 
I expected uh, challenge, challenges, many challenges in, in university, but in, in education in particular, I didn't expect I didn't expect any challenges there. I had an idea about um, academia, academia challenges or yep. kind of uh, time management. Yep. But what was surprising for me is the fact that the biggest challenge was in education. And that was the thing that hooked me up with this project. To, yeah. So, and yeah, tell me about. So, in what ways were uh, was the experience challenging that in ways that you didn't expect? Mm. So, of course, the first challenge that face any college student is the transition from uh, high school to university. Sure. That was my first semester challenge, but then I found out that the situation here in our university is way different than in other colleges. And that was because um, many professors are focused on uh, research, and the professor held the power in the class, so I have no voice in, in talking to him directly, yes. changing yes. The, the system. Of course. Um, that, was the, that, that was the challenge, and then I, I tried to contact some professors on how to change this thing and how to improve education in our university. Yes. And so then, so that led you to get involved with some of the things that uh, Misty and I were talking about in the last segment, the, uh, the book reading and, uh, and then actually coming to the United States and seeing some of the transformative programs over there. So how did, how did, uh, how did you get involved with that, uh, with those efforts? What uh, led you into those efforts? So I've taken classes with the Dr. Uh, Dr. Leanne and, uh, and her, and her co-worker, Mr. Lean. Yes. And we've discussed these things during the class, I mean, during the time that I spent with them in the class. And then uh, they announced that they have this project uh, about the whole new engineer book. Yeah. And I signed, in, I signed in immediately without yeah. thinking about it because I've already discussed these, these things with them. And that's how I got up. That's uh, how you got involved. project. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's hear from uh, TAFE and get her, uh, how she, uh, let's find out how she got involved. And we're, yeah, we're, sure. we're, we're now using the one phone. So, Tafe, um, uh, yes, I'm here. Uh, yeah, so Rasha Ra- just told us how he got involved with the, the stuff uh, Misty and I were talking about in the last segment. How did, how did you get involved with the change efforts and the, the book reading and the, the travel to Olin and so forth? Um, well, well, initially, like, we got an email just as any like any uh, activity that starts in the university, uh, the first step is to send out an email to the students, and um, it caught my attention like uh, that it was a different thing. It wasn't like a service learning trip or something that has been done before. So I kind of went into it thinking about the experience and about um, doing something different, trying something different. Yes, but. Uh, as we had the interviews in order to select the candidates that would travel, and as Dr. Misty and uh, Ms. Raylene actually asked us the questions that um, got us to think about the, like, the problems that we might be facing and how maybe this is not the most ideal situation, I realized how much this actually um, like pertains to me and to the experiences that I've been having. And my answers actually surprised me as, uh, as we were going through the interview. And since then, I've been keen on, like, uh, I actually understood how important what, we were, what the thing that we were doing was and um, that, got, that 
transformed this from just a, an experience that I can have in my university, just like any other student, to something that's bigger and like uh, something that became more important, more essential to me. Yeah, and I'm curious. You know, so you said something that caught my attention uh, and before about how your answer. So you were interviewed as part of this process of of um, coming, going on this trip, and and you said your answer surprised you. Was there an answer that you gave that you, that you now remember that surprised you that that you can recall and share that you're willing to share with with the audience? Um, sure, there are several actually, but um, the thing that um, the thing that comes to mind right now is um, well, they asked me like they asked me because they knew that uh, I'm like I have a relatively high GPA and technically the system is working just fine for me. That was their question. Like, if the system is working fine for you, why do you want to be on this? Um, changing effort. Why do you want to go on this sure. trip? Why do you want to change anything? Yeah. And I realized that I'm not actually like I'm not um, realizing my full potential. And I realized that although the system is working just fine for me, I'm not happy. Like I want to mm. do more. I want to be able to work on my own. I don't want to be just a person who's taking exams and making some good grades and um, living on with their life. And I could have, I could see, I could think of several projects where I felt a little bit helpless because I was like I'm not getting enough, uh, or I wasn't getting enough um, practical experiences out of my education. And so, like the things that I, the things that came to my mind and how I realized these, you know, these conclusions was basically what surprised me because coming to the interview, I hadn't actually thought about these things. Yeah, so, and and so yeah. anyway, so one thing led to another, and and uh, that you found in yourself the sense. Uh, I'm hearing that you became aware of of uh, certain un unhappiness or disconnect with your education, even though it was working as intended, and it you know it was a an American school transplanted doing what those programs do, and yet there was something about it that. Um, seemed like there could be more and and about living up to your potential is is what I heard. So then you were selected and you went on this trip with the with the faculty advisors and a number of other students. You came to the United States, you went to Olin, you went to Illinois and iFoundry, you went to Purdue. I'm not sure if that and if that was the whole list. But anyways you went on you went yeah. on this trip and you observed some of these other programs either that have made tra- changes or have attempted to make changes. Um, what um, what was it that um, impressed you most or sticks with you the most from the visit to the United States and these transformative programs? Um, I would say what impressed me most, and um, I actually heard this from a couple of my uh, colleagues, sure. was the Olin effect. Okay. Basically, we read about it, and um, it seemed pretty real in the book, but seeing it there was was really another thing like when we got there i just i saw smiles all around i saw excitement and um just hard work everywhere and even though like students were taking us around during a time that didn't seem very busy just looking around and seeing what the students left behind their work their uh their pictures uh, all their activities 
that yeah. actually gave us a sense of what we should be looking up to or like um what you know like why are they this happy like students were smiling all the time they were very happy with their work very proud of their uh colleagues so the olin effect actually got like it 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 got contagious like we wanted it there we wanted to have the same uh, atmosphere in our university and that was the most impressive thing about the trip to be honest yeah so then so that's interesting and you said things that are oftentimes contradictory and sometimes when people read a whole new engineer they think that mark and i are suggesting that 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 we create fluffy engineers that can't build a bridge or or a refinery and and uh as you said the experience at olin was is both a hard working experience and a joyful experience and those things oftentimes are thought to be opposites but it's an example of managing the polarity a polarity in a certain way that gives you gives you both both sides we need to take a little bit of break of a break and after the break i want to hear uh uh, hear from Rashid about what what he what he saw on the journey, and then kind of come back and get a sense of um, of uh, what you know what's next for you guys at Tamu Q. So this is uh, Big Beacon Radio with our special guests from Texas A and M at Qatar, and in the next segment we want to want to find out more about uh, the experience of coming to the states and 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 then what this means for the transfer, transformation effort, the grassroots transformation effort at TAMU-Q uh, going forward. We'll do that after the break. To you, Voice America Business Network. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-472. 5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. 
and welcome back to Big Beacon Radio and get the coaching, deep faculty development and uh, training and change leadership consulting that you need to help make change at your institution at 3joy.com. It's not just for higher ed anymore. We're doing some good work with um, consulting firms around the world that are trying to adopt the principles of a whole new engineer. So in the last segment, we were talking with uh, two students from um, Texas A&M at uh, Qatar, uh, Taif and uh, Rashid, and, and they were telling us about their how they got involved in this change effort at TAMU-Q and, and um, their trip to the United States. And, and Rashid, uh, we want to hear sort of your takeaways from your trip to the United States. You went and saw Olin and iFoundry and Purdue and some of these different efforts. What, what, was, what were some of the big things that you noticed, uh, maybe the one big thing that you noticed on, on the trip that sticks with you? Hmm. So the big thing, if I, want, if I will summarize it into one big thing. Sure. Um, this, it's been mostly about Olin and how they change the students. I mean, it is that time where you transform from high school to, to college life. That is the most important time. It's just like uh, when the babies, when they're when they're getting, getting to learn about the world in their first years, um, it is exactly the same thing. So we can see that it is different for them. It is different from all universities. Even when, well, after we visited uh, uh, Illinois and Purdue, we've noticed the difference in the students. And when we talked about, when we talked about the problems that they're facing in university, they're, they've said that it is, it is a natural thing. I mean, they know how to cope with it. That was the most most important thing that I've noticed in, in the trip. And that is, that is what I think is, uh, is the result of all in effect. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and that's so interesting. And one of the things that we found in iFoundry in the iCommunity before it was dismantled um, was that uh, it was so important to reach students uh, before they had any chance to go to class and, and then reframe um, reframe the experience for them in ways that um, where they knew that something different was coming and also knew that not everything was going to be different and that we were able to do that fairly effectively in iFoundry and unfortunately when you visited iFoundry many of the many of the things that that we thought were important and that are written up in the book had had, had been dismantled but but it's still cranking along at Olin as as you um, said now um, uh, as you think about the experience and you think about reading the book and you think about uh, your own thoughts on educational change, Rashid, um, what is, what's your hope for say Tamu Q and then actually higher education more generally in your country? What's your sense? What, what, what do you so want? What do you aspire? I've noticed that, hmm, I've no, I've noticed that, that the education in our country is somewhat lacking in some spot, they, the the ministers and the the people who are working for uh, for the higher education, they really really want to do something, to do something to transform the country forward. Yes. But then, because they made lots of experiments, it, it's it wasn't all of them. It wasn't it wasn't successful in all the times. So for me, what I hope to get from this project is to find an ideal situation where we can. Uh, Work and work in a better education for our country, and how to fix the problem when it happens, because that was that was a big thing in uh, during high school, as I remember. 
because whenever a problem will happen, they will change the whole thing. Um, and that didn't result in a, didn't get a good results for us. Well, yeah, so, so one of the uh, things I noticed in going to countries like Singapore, and I noticed it in Qatar too, is that uh, pe- their people make bets on and doing experiments, but the scale of the experiments in Singapore and Qatar are very large. And one of the principles of great entrepreneurship is to do little bets, small experiments. And so there's a sense in which often, you know, so when you bring and you start a whole campus, it's hard to do an experiment because you're setting up everything from the beginning. And, and so one of the, one of the ways in which it, reform might be helped in situations like that is to have, have places that are more incubator incubator like and so i but I, I i did see that in your country that there's tremendous emphasis on education and how important education is there's a sense also that it's there's a tension between centralized planning and 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 then being entrepreneurial and and allowing things to happen from the bottom up without planning um and letting exper- letting experiments take hold and going in the direction that the experiment leads to as opposed to a fully formed university. I think that's a really um, big tension. Why don't we? Uh, I'd like to check in with uh, Tafe and get um, um, get her her take on on this. And so, yeah, sure. uh, T- uh, Tafe. Um, so the question is: So you know, as you went to the United States and you um, saw these different things, you saw, you witnessed the Olin effect. Um, what what's your hope for uh, Tamu Q and and uh, and what's your hope for education in in your part of the world in 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 Qatar, but also in the Middle East generally? Right. So, um, what I hope for, uh, especially for Q, is that we reach this point, like an equilibrium point, where we can have satisfaction on both sides, on the sides of the students and on the side of faculty and staff. Because we don't want to criminal, like, criminalize either side. No, but it's nobody's fault. I think we should just reach uh, an agreement. We should reach common ground where we can both be satisfied at the same time and where we can have the most efficient outcomes from the way our education is being um, administered or like how the program is working. Um, as for the the Middle East, Qatar, and like the region in general, I think we we do have like a long journey to go, but I, I can see positive change, and I can see that we're we're progressing. So I'm hoping that at some point we will have like we will be huge competitors in the the field of like higher education. Basically, that's what I hope for for the reason. Yeah, and so I, it's, it's so it's interesting. You know, pre, it seems like we're. Uh, many of the conversations to have around higher education are these conversations around polls. So the answer that Rashid gave was the tension between centralized planning and bringing, bringing say, American universities or other universities to the region versus being able to do experiments and do something better even or possibly different than what, uh, say, copying uh, a school from somewhere around the world can bring you. So that's one, that's one pull, is, and there's a tension between doing it one way or another, and how do, we, how do we actually get the best of both poles? How do we get experiments and um, good best practices and, 
but typically we get one poll or, or another. And now we're talking about another poll. We're talking about the faculty student poll. So how do we how do we have a, a system that serves uh, faculty and students well and and not make it a zero sum game? And and I, I think that's a that's a really wise um, direction to think about this. How do and 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 oftentimes when we if we list say any of the polls, they have you know so a faculty um, a faculty driven university has lots of expertise and lots of knowledge, so those are good things, and it can also become directive and and negative um, and stifling and and become about obedience and that can be a, that's the negative side of the poll and then if we look at student centered stuff, it can be about freedom and finding your bliss, but it can also be well students don't really know that much about what it means to be an engineer, so we can lose the sense of expertise and so how do we get the best of both of those in in whatever um, uh, system we're um, we're trying to to come up come about. I guess you know one of the things um, that's uh, I guess I want to I want to get Misty back in the conversation here. So um, as uh, Misty, as as you think about um, what's happened Hello. so far, hi Misty. As we as you think about what's happened so far, um, what what kinds of what kinds of things are you thinking about next? You've you've had the book reading that continues, and those conversations are continuing. You're, you've opened conversations that previously weren't we weren't even permitted to have, and you're having these beautiful conversations. You've taken students yeah. elsewhere, and they aspire for things. What's next? What what are the things that you hope? Well, you, to... Well, you you've taught me next? about academic nimby, not in my backyard, right? Yeah, we always want to change everybody else's courses, so I'm changing my own. I'm changing technical writing into a user centered design course. <laughs> And I started this week. And so we're looking at communities and observing them, almost starting off. This is kind of the Owen model of almost an ethnography and then working in groups to figure out what does this community need, how can we serve them, how can we propose, create something, improve a system. Um, So I'm kind of trying to incorporate some of that in my very own course. And then I'm in, uh, I guess it's a retreat, for a very a few faculty and administration on the first year experience, so we realize that we're kind of losing or dampening students' enthusiasm for becoming engineers in the first year, and that we have this golden opportunity to redo something with that. And so, yeah, some of that is looking at curriculum in, in our intro to engineering courses, but it's also the culture and the social aspects of being. Um, becoming a college student, as Rashid was mentioning, that that transition that is so so sensitive for so many students. So we're trying to do things like that. No, that's great. Actually, this uh, show is generating a number of questions uh, by email from our uh, listeners. So uh, we have a listener from Tamuq, uh, uh, Suheb Abdul Kudos, who's asked um, the uh, opinion about uh, the need for education reform in the high school level, and I guess that. Um, so, um, Misty, do you have a sense of, from the Cuttery perspective of, you know, what high school's like and, and whether these same reforms might, um, um, work and, uh, what, what's your sense of the, the whole new engineer style of change, uh, and, yeah. and its relevance to high school? Well, Roger knows more about, you know, Cuttery high schools than I do, but I did visit a couple of high schools 
and very much is kind of, you know, the banking model of education, memorization, and that's rewarded. Um, so I do think, sometimes I think, you know, okay, we're importing this American model. If we're going to import the American model, then let's import the best, most innovative American model instead of following what the U.S. thought was good 30 or 40, 50 years ago. Why don't we just take the hypotenuse <laughs> of that yep. triangle and, and bring it down? Yes, bring it to high school. And Rashid has talked about this previously about problem-based learning, you know, project-based learning. So we're doing hands-on things that are meaningful. Um, and so, yes, I, I do think... Um, I do think that that would be great. And if there's time, can Rashid respond to this? Yeah, question? just uh, we can get a quick response yeah. from Rashid uh, on that question. So, yeah, so Rashid, so the, you know, we had the yeah. we had a a, a question from uh, Suheb, uh, one of your colleagues, Suheb Abdul Kudos, about about high school and the need for reform in high schools in in Qatar in the region. What what's your sense? Can this same kind of thing, a whole new engineer, uh, be helpful in in high school in in your country in the region? Mm-hmm. In your high schools in the region. So a whole new engineer was more focused on uh, college education. Yes. But that that wired us back to to high school when we went deep into what is the problem in our university and and the higher education and in Qatar we found out that the problem starts from school and that the system is not preparing the students for college. I mean, not in, the, in a way that you can just transform the student just from high school environment to college. It's, it's, it's way, way uh, for, for further than that. So uh, the problem in our high school is it gets kind of, uh, they're trying to make it not challenging more based on uh, you have to memorize, you have to ha- you yeah. have fixed rules, yeah, that kind of stuff. So the challenging part is is completely raised from, from yeah. our education, right? And thanks, and thanks. So much. we've got about uh, thirty seconds left, and and so um, if uh, you want to find out more about what's going on at uh, TAMUQ, uh, just uh, look up Tam. Uh, uh, Texas A&M at Qatar and uh, look up uh, Leanne Rudd, Misty Rudd, and and uh, and contact them about the um, the things that they're doing. I want to uh, thank Misty and I want to th- uh, thank Rashid and Tafe and uh, I wish you all the the best. You're doing great stuff and you're off to a good start. At, and um, I I love. Uh, uh, the Xander's book, The Art of Possibility, that you can lead from any chair. Uh, you're more powerful as students and as faculty than um, than you think. And so you've been listening to Big Beacon Radio, Transforming Higher Education. Special thanks to our guests from Texas A&M at Qatar. Help transform higher education. Join the movement to unleash a new generation of innovators by learning more at bigbeacon.org. Join us next week, same time, same channel, as we continue our quest to transform higher education. Thank you for tuning in to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Please join Dave Goldberg soon for another edition. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. For additional information about our programs or to find out about the next show, please visit bigbeacon.org. We'll talk again very soon.